you may or may not be aware uh, before today that this was um, Pride Month, considered Pride Month, LGBTQ plus whatever, um, Pride. And of course, in a city like Houston, there's a, it's, it could be a pretty big deal. They, uh, the month culminated, um, at least the celebration in Houston culminated um, yesterday with the Gay Pride Parade downtown. Dustin said, you know, I mentioned this morning we're going to have our uh, Pride service this afternoon. <laughs> he said, I'm going to put that on Instagram. North Houston is having its Pride service. So we're not one of those churches, but I do want to talk to you a little bit about it since, uh, since it is so much part of where we are right now. And uh, I know you guys are, 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 are already thinking, trying to think rightly about um, the culture around us and what the culture says. But uh, I found it very helpful to think about it a lot more this week. I went down yesterday with a friend to the to the rally and passed out uh, tracks and uh, did a little bit of talking with anybody who would be willing to listen. Had some very interesting and enlightening conversations, to be honest. Um, one of the things this other guy was very good at doing was trying to work down to the presuppositions that people hold and the inconsistencies of their own positions with the world in which they actually live and operate. And I think that, I hope that that was enlightening to some of the people. Um, there is a knowledge that that there is there are certain things that are absolutely right and wrong. And it's just, it's not because 51% of the people voted for it or because it's, you know, the consent of the governed or because it's again, you know, it's the law or whatever. It's just, it's just, there's just a right and there's a wrong. People know that. Even though they might, you know, their own philosophy of life in their minds might um, argue against that. I'll just share with you a few impressions and then four thoughts biblically on, uh, <clears throat> on the week. Um, I guess that was a little loud. Uh, one of the things I was impressed with when I went there was to see so many, many people looking for relationship and community. I mean, there's a lot of just base ungodliness and sensuality that's a part of something like that. But on a different level, I think there was a lot, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of people that are just looking for relationship and real community that sadly, because of the world we live in, because of the brokenness of the world, because of the brokenness of families, they don't, they, they don't find. Because sin is in the world, and sin is in families, and sin is in culture. They're not seeing it in the world around them. Obviously, sin is in themselves. And I, will, I believe this, that a lot of the people that, they were, that are there are not there for the, what we would call the basest of reasons, but really and truly looking for, um, looking for that sense of belonging, um, but just looking for it without regard for the revelation of God, for our good, 
Um, another thing I was impressed with, um, so we went, <clears throat> we went to the main entrance to the parade, or to the party, I guess, whatever, I'm not sure what it's called. They have a, a, like a place where you can go in. You, I think you have to pay to get in there, but right outside on the sidewalk, across the sidewalk um, from where the parade was to go down, there was a group of people from another church, and they, were, they had loudspeakers and were proclaiming the sinfulness of homosexuality um, very loudly, urging people to repent. And from all I heard, wasn't bad as far as it went. I'm not sure if it went far enough, if, if it got to... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, we did have some conversations with some guys from the church, and uh, it's, it's possible that it, that it was actually a heretical church. <laughs> we're not real sure. Um, but in any case, there were people out there proclaiming the Word of God to some degree or another. And what was interesting to me on the other side of the street was standing there with all of the people listening to that and watching that, and responding with um, a lot of anger and a lot of um, a lot of emotion, and, and and being almost a mob, and and I guess what struck me was what our Lord must have felt um, with the whole world, as it were, against him and all of our enmity piled upon him, and it was literally Christ against, um, against the world of his day, and yet looking out on these people and having compassion on them and laying down his life for them struck me in a new and more profound way than it has ever <laughs> done before. Um, another thing that I was struck with especially after I had a conversation with a, a young guy who, um, who said that he was a Christian and he believed the Bible. And so I said, great, let's talk about the Bible then. And uh, I mean, we talk about the Bible no matter what, but let's talk about some passages of the Bible. So we, we started going through the Bible. And as we started arguing, you know, I started expounding him specific passages he, in the end, he basically said, well, yeah, I see what you're saying, but I just don't, I just don't agree with that. So in the end, I said, so you don't necessarily believe all the Bible then? And he said, well, I guess not. <laughs> and I guess I felt at the end saddened, but at least I'm glad that the man is not under the impression that he believes the Bible. At least he's being honest that he knows what the Bible says and he's just rejecting it. But what I was struck with, and there was another lady after we, I gave her a tract and she came back and she said, and I didn't have much time to talk to her, she just threw the tract back at me. She said, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus too, but I don't believe what you're saying, which I hadn't even said anything to her, hardly gave her the gospel tract. And off she walked. And then I met another guy, a Christian, um, there, were, there, were, there were some good people out there. There was a couple of Reformed Baptist type guys that we talked to. Colleen Bible Church, I think. I don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, sounded like good people. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, anybody else know anything about Colleen Barbecue? Okay, I guess it's up near Austin. But anyway, we had good good fellowship with them, and and he said, yeah, inside, um, inside, or maybe it was a different guy I was talking to anyway that told me this. But he said inside the um, <clears throat> the celebration there are clergy members, you know, that are there to celebrate along with everybody else. And of course, you have any connections, maybe family with, um, you know, we were talking about um, United Methodists or other denominations. There are a lot of people within a lot of big denominations in our country that are just fine with um, with the homosexual uh, movement and agenda, even though it does not um, comport with the Word of God. And what that highlighted for me, again, was the importance and the necessity of holding to, holding firmly to the, um, the authority of the Word of God. Our, our commitment to the inspiration of the Bible is essential because well, here's what happened. Uh, some of you guys know that there has been a movement within, I think, the United Methodist Church, a big discussion, even a there was about to split, and they ended up staying together. And it, you know, the concert, the traditionalists sort of won out for now. Um, and other denominations have had the same thing. Um, some some Presbyterian denominations. There's a church not far from here that left its Presbyterian denomination because the denomination uh, began to. I don't remember what line they crossed, but it was either approving of homosexual marriage or maybe even homosexual clergy. I don't remember what the line was. But finally, the people in the church said, that's enough of this. We're, you know, we're, we're not in that denomination anymore. We're leaving. We're going to go find a new one, which is all well and good. But here's, I mean, and I'm, I'm glad for it. But here, here's what I'm getting at. I think the battle was lost a long time ago when those denominations started to say, well, we don't really know if everything in the Bible is really accurate, if it really is the Word of God. I mean, there's, there's some you know, myths and things in there, and there's some people's ideas. And it is a human book, after all. I mean, it didn't just fall down from heaven, right? We know that people... And so and to begin to diminish the inspiration and the authority of the Bible, that's the first step. Because So now the battles that the traditionalists are having sounds just like bigotry. Because you're not standing on a foundation that says, thus saith the Lord. You're, you're, you're still fighting for tradition, but only on the basis of tradition, essentially. And, and so it's, it's really important for us, listen, for you, for our church and churches like ours, to keep um, reminding ourselves of, of, the, of the inspiration, the authority, the... the, um, the inerrancy of the Bible, and to just believe, if the Bible says it, we believe it, right? We're going to submit our thinking to God's and not say, well, you know, from our viewpoint, we know that this is, you know, this is just a good a person's opinion, but things have changed since then, and uh, once you do that, you don't have any more foundation. You're only fighting for your idea versus his idea. There's no, there's no ground under your feet. And then the final thing, just in terms of impressions, is um, watching this whole thing reinforced. Uh, Y'all heard of Rosaria Butterfield? Everybody, most everybody's heard. Gives her testimony of coming out of lesbian activism and is now a Christian minister's wife. And she said, 
the man who, the, another minister actually, who was faithful in, in witnessing to her, didn't make out like her biggest problem was her homosexuality, but that her biggest problem was her pride. And I think that really came home to me a lot. In fact, the verse I use more than anything else when talking to people was James 4.6. Um, God opposes the, what? The proud. But to those who are humble, he gives grace. And, and so what is pride? Pride is saying that my own thinking, I'm, I'm elevating my own thinking above God's. I think I, this is the way I think, this is the way I feel, and I don't care what God says, my thinking trumps God's thinking. When that happens, that's being, that's getting embedded in pride. And, and then being unwilling to submit to and yield to what God says. And really that, going to that verse was very helpful because that's the essence of all of our sin, uh, is, is a desire to to let my own thinking override God's thinking. So that I could tell people, this is not about homosexuality. This is about sin. And it's about pride in the face of God. It's about being unwilling to submit to God's revealed word about life. And that happens in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of, in everybody's life. And until we're just willing to put ourselves underneath God, not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll decide for myself, thank you very much. Looks good to me. Until we're willing to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then we're cutting ourselves off from mercy and grace that are available only to those who, who are humble. So those were, those were some of my thoughts from, uh, from this experience. Um, I want to say four things about um, how to think as a Christian, um, and particularly, particularly the lies that people buy into, four lies that people buy into um, in embracing uh, the homosexual perspective, particularly, okay, or any sinful perspective, but especially this one. Um, of course, Satan is the father of lies. He lies about everything, and sometimes he buries his lies in half-truths, like you put a little poison in some food to kill the nuisance animal or something like that. Um, he lies about sexuality. He lies about marriage. He lies about relationships. He lies about love. He lies about sin and self and salvation. He lies about everything in order to bring death and destruction upon as much of humanity as is possible. And he lies about the whole arc of human experience, the whole arc of salvation history from creation to corruption to the fall to, the fall, to redemption in Christ to the restoration of all things. I mean, you take the whole of of the history of the world, and he lies about every aspect of it. And I, So I want to take each one of those four things, creation, the fall, redemption in Christ, and the restoration of all things in Christ, 
and highlight a lie that Satan feeds people, believers even sometimes buy into this lie to some degree, these lies, and certainly unbelievers do. Number one, uh, okay, so first of all, get this looking. So here's the, here's the overall arc that we're looking at, the arc of human history from creation to restoration in, in the end, and of course, judgment as a part of that too, but um, in terms of what God is doing in, in salvation. Um, so Satan's lie about creation. Um, people who have uh, strong same-sex attractions... Um, Satan would have us believe. People who are homosexual are fundamentally different from all other people. Um, An unbeliever would say that some people um, are born gay and some people are born straight. And I think that is, that's the lie that we buy into um, in this in this kind of worldview. There are two fundamentally different kinds of people in the world, people who are gay and people who are straight. And of course, and I'm, uh, you know, many of the people I talked to said that. Um, or uh, I guess I should say a, a few of the people that I talked to did say that, that. So people are just one or the other. You don't really choose. It's just, that's just, you know, there's two different kinds of people in the world and this is who we are. And, um, and even believers can look at it Look at people who are living a homosexual lifestyle and almost sort of buy into that. We look at somebody caught up in that, and and some Christians would say, well, that's weird, that's strange, that's so different, that's just that's just uh, fundamentally a whole different kind of person. You know, how could anybody how could anybody ever do that? How could anybody ever? To, I, I worry for people honestly who say, how could anybody ever dot 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 fill in the blank. I mean, so I'm getting ahead of myself into the fall here, but um, I would say this. Fundamentally, there are not different kinds of people in the world. Um, Fundamentally, every person is created in the image of God, right? Do we believe that? Fundamentally, everybody in the entire world is created in the image of God. Even after the fall, the image of God is still somewhat in effect, I would say. Maybe there's a different way to, to try to talk about it. It's certainly marred. It's certainly broken. It's like having a, a painting on the wall that got graffitied or something, or a mirror that got a big crack in it, and now you can't see everything as it ought to. But you can tell what used to be there, right? You can see partially what it... So that's like... so. That's like the fall. But, but in creation, in, in God, the way God made everybody, we are fundamentally the same, one kind of person, and that is people, human beings, made in the, in the image of God, which ought to make us want to reach out with love and with grace and, uh, and in our commonness of our humanity and, uh, and have a ministry with others who are caught up in the homosexuality. Number two... Um, the fall. We recognize that in Adam and Eve we all have fallen, that we are all um, 
guilty for sin and uh, sinful by nature. Unbelievers around us tend to minimize the fallenness and the brokenness of humanity when almost nothing else is culturally unacceptable. It is the height of cultural arrogance to say to somebody that homosexuality is an expression of fallenness, of sin, and of rebellion. That is, that is hetero-orthodoxy in the world's religion. That is heresy. You will be a heretic to say that, but, but it's true. It's not just true about homosexuality. It's true about every effect of sin. It's all a ramification of the fall. The Bible says that all of us were made in the image of God. That image is twisted and perverted, and homosexuality is an expression of that fallenness from what it means to be truly human. And I would have to say that, right? Um, Homosexuality is a brokenness, it's a fallenness from what it means to be fully human. God created mankind, Adam and Eve, male and female, different in mind, in body, um, in, in personality, but to be one. They're, they're, they're different and yet they're one, right? God made them in His own image and this was, He says, very good. In other words, this is what humanity needs. This is good for humanity. And, um, and you look around and you just have to feel um, sad for the brokenness that robs humanity of its fullness. It's not just that it's rebellion against God. It is that. But it's a brokenness in and of itself in terms of what humanity was created to be. Believers, on the other hand, tend, while unbelievers tend to uh, minimize the, the fallenness of, and the sinfulness that comes from the fall, believers sometimes tend to overemphasize the sin of homosexuality as if, as if at least in my experience, I, I've, see, I remember people talking about it as if that was the really wicked, gross sin and the rest of our sins are not too bad. Thank you very much. I mean, we might be gossips and we might be proud and we might be um, thieves and we might be, um, you know, lustful for people in the opposite sex. But, you know, we're not, at least we're not out there with the rest of them. And certainly the Bible teaches that not every sin is the same. Not every sins have different ramifications. But any sin is enough to take a man to hell. It is so much easier to blame other people's sins. But remember that Romans chapter 1, when he says God gave them up to sin, he says not only did he give them up to homosexuality, but he also gave them up to, quote, envy, gossip, and disobedience to parents. <laughs> so, I mean, pretty much we all find ourselves in Romans 1 at some point. Further, through the fall, we all received an inherently corrupt nature. I remember people saying when I was growing up, you know, hey, don't forget, homosexuality is a choice. It's a choice. And, you know, is that true? It's 
partly true, as the, I guess the way I would say it. I think it's partly true. Sometimes, and sometimes the same people who said homosexuality is a choice also said things like, well, I can't help being angry. It's just the way I am. I'm part Irish. Okay. Um, so it's not a choice for you, right? But it is a choice for them. Uh, there's, a, there's a mixture of our choices being involved. We're acting on our inclinations. But we also find that we are all inclined to evil. I can't tell you how many shirts I saw yesterday that said, born this way or born this gay. I wanted to say, yeah, we were all born this way, if by this way you mean broken and sinful. And, and our brokenness and our sinfulness manifests itself in different ways, in different one, one of, ones of us. But the fall teaches us that every one of us is sinful by nature. The lie is this that what seems to be so much a part of a person's nature cannot be an expression of fallenness, brokenness, sin, and rebellion. It's just who they are. That if it's so natural, how can it be bad? That seems to be people's underlying assumption. If it's natural, how can it be bad? If it's just the way I am, how can I be condemned for it? That's every one of us. We're all condemned for the way we are, right? And I think that's what part of what we have to communicate to people. is not just, yes, you're condemned for your evil. It's just, no, we're all born broken and sinful. And, and whatever way that our inclinations manifest themselves in contradiction to God's revelation is, 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 is our act of rebellion. That's our brokenness. And until we just humble ourselves about that, whatever that expression is, until we humble ourselves by, about that, there's no hope for any of us. But that's the lie. If, it, if, it, if it's so just much a part of who I am, then how can it be, how can it be wrong? The Bible says that each one of us, James chapter 1, each one of us is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? his own lust or desire, right? And his own desire, his idios desire, though, is, the, is the word for your own desire, your idiot, like where we get the word idiosyncrasy, it's somebody's own idiosyncratic brokenness. You, you have your brokenness, I have my brokenness, but it's all broken, and we're all born that way. We all need to be redeemed from what we are by nature. We were by nature children of what? Wrath. Yeah. That's the message. That's the message I think that Christians ought to come across with. Um, not just, oh, you just, you just chose that and you just need to stop choosing that. There, there's partial truth there. Right? We do choose to act um, in sin, but there's, there's more to it. We need to be fundamentally changed in our very natures. A robust soteriology answers um, this kind of issue. Number three, redemption. There are lies being told about redemption from the enemy. Redemption, now I'm going to differentiate, which I don't think you can divide them, but I'm going to differentiate between redemption and restoration. Redemption 
is God saving us by His mercy in union with Christ once and for all. Right? We're born again. We're a child of God. We're already glorified. We're saved. Restoration is the ongoing work of the Spirit in our life through sanctification leading us to eventual glorification and perfect holiness with the Lord forever and ever. Those things can't be divided, but, but I'm going to distinguish. So, to talk about redemption by itself, redemption is the granting of fallen people a new identity. Their identity is now they are a person in Christ. That old doctrine of union with Christ, which is the absolute center of all religion. And this is the way that God saves. He brings us into faith union with Jesus Christ. And when we are in Christ, we are no longer a sinner. We still sin, but we're not called in the Bible sinners anymore. Now we're called what? Saints, yeah? It's an amazing thing. How can that be? He doesn't look very saintly to me. Some of you, I could look at you on your worst day and nobody would say, you're, oh, he's a saint. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want you to, to see my life on my worst day. Right? But in Christ, in union with Christ, we have a new identity. We're not characterized by sin any longer. Now we're characterized, we're, we have a new name. We're not sinner, we're Christian. There's a new to put it in the best way possible in terms of this kind of conversation, we have a new identity. My identity is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. The lie that unbelievers accept, and even some believers are tempted with, the lie is to believe about same-sex attraction that that is what defines them. That is, the de that is a defining characteristic. Homosexuality or any sin is a defining characteristic. In other words, for them it's no longer saying, I am attracted to the same sex. Now the person is saying, I am what? I am gay. That's my identity. It's like me coming up to you and saying, hey, I'm John and I'm a liar. No, I might say, you know what, there have been times when I've been tempted to exaggerate and I've had to go back and confess. I've been tempted to make myself look better than I really am. There's been times when I've been lazy, when I've lied, when I've done this, when I've done that, right? So, but I don't say I'm a liar. That's not my identity anymore. Such, okay, so here's the passage now. Um, 1 Corinthians 6. Look at verse uh, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that these are terms that almost sound like terms of identity, right? It's not just people who revile or people who drink or, or get drunk or people who swindle, but drunkards and revilers and swindlers. These are people who are characterized by these things. They're not, they don't fall into these sins every once in a while. This is just, this, they say, hey, this is who I am. 
I mean, this is the way I'm going to live. This is the way I'm going to be. This is just, this is it. This is my identity. But then look at verse 11, and he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. And notice that washed is like past tense here. You were washed. In other words, it's like you. this is already done. Even though you might still be tempted with drinking and with drunkenness or or sometimes tempted to swindle or, or sometimes tempted to tell a lie or to dishonor your parents or, or whatever it is. The, you, you have been washed. You have a whole new identity. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that at the end of that verse, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an identity thing. You now have, you don't have the old name of idolater anymore. Now you have the new name, Christian, follower of Jesus Christ. This is a whole new break. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, he is a new, what? Creation. The old has passed away, the, the new has come. I, I say to people all the time, there, are, there is a fundamental distinction between a Christian who struggles with same-sex attraction and somebody who's not a Christian. And it is this. The one person says, I struggle, I repent, I know, even though I have this inclination by nature that it is not God's will, and I'm seeking for His mercy. And on the other hand, a person who crosses the line to finally where he says, you know what, this is just who I am. Take it or leave it. Hey, love me as I am. If you can't love me the way I am, then then I don't need you in my life. This is just the way I'm going to be. This is the way I feel. And people who live by their feelings consistently like that are not believers. I don't care whether what sin it is. The guy who says, I don't love my wife anymore, I don't have any more feelings for her, I'm going to go marry somebody else or live with somebody else, that guy's not a Christian. And somebody who... The, 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 the distinction is, is in one way subtle, but in another way, all the difference in the world. I can live all day with a brother who says, I, I'm still tempted at times in this sin, but I'm, I'm, I'm repenting of it. That's a brother in Christ. I'll rejoice all day with that guy. But the guy who says, this is who I am. This is my identity. Now, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing, right? And this is why. So that's redemption. And then finally, restoration. <clears throat> restoration. Now, of course, in this sense, I'm, gonna, I'm talking about restoration as the outworking of our salvation throughout the course of our Christian life and then culminating in our glorification when we stand before the Lord and we see Him as He is and we become like Him. The outworking of Christ being in us. So He who is the image of God that was broken at the fall, right? The Son of Man, who was the image of God, is restoring in us, broken, fallen creatures, the image of God, as He Himself is manifest in us. And sometimes that restoration is long and slow and painful, and up and down even, maybe for a while. But it's certain, because He who began it will continue it. And a believer lives by faith in that, that that's going to happen. Here's the lie. The lie is that since homosexuality is such a defining characteristic, a defining characteristic 
The lie is the person can never change. I can't change. I don't want to change. I'm not going to change. This is who I am. Change is not desirable, nor is it possible. They say, you can't change me. That's, that's who I am. And moreover, change is not even healthy, right? I, I've heard plenty of people say that. You, you try to change somebody from their homosexuality and you'll mess up their brain forever. They'll always be mentally, you know, out of whack. And, and certainly there is a way to go about, you know, homosexual therapy where you try to just, on the surface level, change their behaviors without addressing their heart and probably could mess up somebody. I don't know. Um, so we're not just talking about that kind of surface therapy, but when the gospel really gets a hold of somebody, he begins to change. and He is changed fundamentally in his very nature, and that begins to manifest itself as Christ lives out his life in that person, right? And uh, here's the passage I want you to look at. Again, verse 11 in the text in front of you, First uh, 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 Corinthians 6. Now notice it carefully. And he says about all of these sins and they, the fact that they characterize people before their conversion. He says, and such were some of you. That was your being. That was, that was who you were. It was your identity. But you were washed, sanctified. You were justified. Now notice these two things. In the name of Jesus Christ, all right, that's your positional identity now as a new person in Christ. And by the Spirit of God. And that, I think, of course, has to do with setting us apart in Christ. But also, the work of the Spirit of God is, is an ongoing work. All right, Now we're talking about not just a work of justification, but a work of sanctification. It's the outworking of the restoration of all things in my life. So that I gradually overcome sin in my life by the Spirit of God. And a Christian believes that. If he doesn't believe that, he's not a believer. <laughs> so we don't call him a Christian. This is precisely, precisely what separates Christians from non-Christians is faith. Now somebody might still look at themselves and say, listen, because I've known people who claim to be Christians and, and some who I think probably were Christians who said, you know, I struggled so much with homosexuality, I don't, I, 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 find, I find it hard to believe I could change. I mean, it's been part of my life so long. I tried to, I prayed for God to change me, and it's just so much a part of who I am. It seems almost impossible. And I'm reminded of the sermon that we saw a few weeks ago when Jesus fed the multitudes, the thousands. And remember, remember he looked at the disciples and he said, you guys feed them. He commanded them to do what was impossible. The Lord does that all the time. But He does it because He intends to do through them what is impossible for them by nature, by His own power. And I, and I, I can't help but believe that is exactly what the Lord wants to do, and what He is doing in the lives of so many people. And I tell you what, there are truly converted people who struggle with same-sex attraction, um, and have just seen a tremendous restoration uh, from God. There's a group, I was, we were just listening to them last night. 
I meant to bring you the name. Do you remember the name of that organization? So, so Matt Chandler and what's the church up in Dallas? The Village? Okay. So it's, there's some connection with The Village. Living Water? Living Hope? Okay. So anyway, they're, they're a ministry. Um, and the, the guy himself is a testimony of a, a life transformed in this way. Many, many people they help in this way. They have chapters not only in Dallas, but down here in Houston too. Do you know somebody who's, who says, I'm a Christian, I really believe this, but I just it seems so impossible. Well, there are a lot of people who are facing a lot of temptations that seem pretty impossible for them. But this one really can be a stronghold, especially the culture just reinforces it. And uh, so get them help somewhere. You know, get them, get them some help, real good biblical help like that. And um, that they may see the power of the Holy Spirit at work through the Word in their life. Um, of course, somebody who says, you know, I don't care, this is just who I am. You know, I'm not talking about how can you help somebody like that. Right? But when a person humbles themselves before the Almighty God, then he's, they're ready to be recipients of mercy. Um, all right, that's, that's probably enough. I'll, I, re, I always think of in terms of this last one that song that we sing sometimes, then we shall be where we would be, then we shall be what we should be. Things that are not now, nor could be in the fullest sense, soon shall be our own. People who are Christians believe that. They believe that that day is coming, and they believe that that day is coming to pass progressively in their lives. And so they get up every day and they fight their sin, even though their sin seems so insurmountable. They live by faith. So may God give us all grace to do that and, uh, and be a blessing to, uh, to others.